Again, we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. Uh, I believe that we are bound to give praise and honor to God uh, because God is worthy to be praised. Uh, to our God who has spared us and sustained our lives, we are forever in his debt. Uh, to our God who has redeemed and sanctified us, we ought to be forever grateful. Uh, it is God alone who enables us to face our trials uh, with calm and assurance and our sorrows with peace and hope. Uh, God gives us uh, the strength to face adversity and the patience needed to face the rigors uh, of life. Uh, the psalmist declares back in Psalm 27 verse 1, he said, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Uh, now that's a faith statement, but isn't it good to serve the God who gives us uh, a faith that is never misplaced, a uh, God who blesses us uh, above and beyond our ability to ask, and always blesses us according uh, to our need. And for all of God's blessings, we ought to be eternally grateful. We want to direct your attention this morning again to the text that was read into our hearing there in Hebrews chapter 10. We want to read again there verse number 35. Hebrews 10 verse 35, uh, the writer says, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Based on the words of the Hebrew writer there in Hebrews chapter 10, we want to use this morning as a subject, tempted to quit. And as we uh, consider the text that we have before us here in Hebrews chapter 10, I believe that whenever we read anything in the Bible, but, but in particular the Hebrew letter, uh, that we always have to uh, understand and appreciate uh, uh, the exhortation of the Hebrew writer in the context uh, of the plight of the Christians to whom it was written. The recipients uh, of this letter had faced very legitimate troubles. And we are given a glimpse of these troubles in verses 32 through 34. Now, let me digress for a moment. You recall on last Sunday that I said that Hebrews is grown folk conversation. And when we say grown folk conversation, grown folk conversation embraces the niceties, but it does not ignore the realities. And somebody said, preacher, what, what do you mean by that? Well, well, the niceties, you know, God's love, his grace, his mercy, his providence, and, and all of the things that we are glad uh, about God, that, that he is God and that he is God all by himself. And, and if it weren't for the niceties, I don't know that we'd be able to deal with the realities. Uh, now, when we talk about uh, uh, the realities, uh, the realities are that trials and troubles that are spiritual, relational, physical, financial, etc., happen in our lives. Life happens. Now, now, that's just being honest. As good as God is, life happens. Now, I'm glad that God is good, 
But the reality is life happens. <clears throat> and in dealing with the niceties and the realities, uh, the Hebrew writer follows a very deliberate progression. When we look at the Hebrew letter, there is first a warning not to drift or to slip from the word. Uh, in other words, beware and be careful of falling into spiritual ruts. There is a further warning that drifting leads to doubt. Uh, unbelief, as the term is in, in Hebrews chapter 3. And it is when we are in a spiritual rut that we try to walk by sight rather than by faith. He then says that those that doubt the word will become dull to the word and appreciate that in the absence of faith, the word of God has no power for me. Now that's kind of ironic that the word that contains all power could have no power for me. Fourth, the one that is dull to the word soon begins to despise the word. Now to despise the word is to take the brakes off, it's just to have no regard for what God says. And then fifth, the culmination of these things is seen in an outright defiance of the word. Now, I don't expect you to be able to write all this down before I switch to the next slide. Uh, if you don't get it all, go online. The, the PowerPoint is made available uh, uh, on, on the website. But, but at the point of the Hebrew, uh, at the point of the text, at this point of the Hebrew text, uh, the Hebrew writer uh, exhorts and encourages us in verse number 35 and he says, cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Uh, in other words, don't quit. I know life can be difficult. When you come to the building, most times nobody knows what it is you're dealing with. But, but don't give up on God. It is as if God is saying, I know life happens. <clears throat> I know times can be tough and the way is unclear to you. But what I'm calling you to do is shoulder up to your cross and soldier on. Do you know that's what good soldiers do? Good soldiers soldier on. Uh, I remember 2 Timothy 2 verse number 3. Uh, Paul declares, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That's why JB my brother. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Good soldiers endure hardness, and in fact, good soldiers appreciate that hardness is a part of being a soldier. But when we talk about the word quitting, quitting is a word that is often associated with defeat, despair, and hopelessness. Now, let me say, I'm aware that there are some contexts in which quitting can be positive. You know, somebody quits smoking or vaping. Well, well, well that's, that's good. You ought to quit that. Uh, you know, we, we, get, we quit bad behavior. There, there are some things that we need to quit on. But there's no denying that in many contexts, quitting is negative. Uh, I'm sure you've heard the old saying, winners never quit and quitters never win. But it's a sad fact and a tragic reality that our world is filled with quitters and quitting. And when I say that, I don't say that to castigate or, or to uh, be insensitive to other people's reality. It's just a matter of fact that people give up on things in life. People routinely quit jobs and school. Many have quit their marriages and some in the absence of getting divorced. And sadly, 
many quit life. And, and, and I went round about popping this next uh, uh, thing up here. And, and again, it, it's not said to castigate or because I don't appreciate some people's reality, uh, uh, but to drive home the point that sometimes people quit. One, uh, uh, it, it is, let's see, I said that. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in the world for those aged 15 to 24 years old. This according to the World Health Organization. Now that just says somebody's dealing with some serious stuff uh, 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 when you choose suicide uh, uh, because of all the things that I'm facing. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States for all ages. This according to the Center for Disease Control. And then that same source says suicide takes the lives of almost 45,000 Americans every year. It says that people are dealing with some things, and some people's solution to this is to quit. But more tragic than quitting school or job, or quitting one's marriage, or even quitting life, I submit to you that most tragic of all is giving up on God. And one of our realities is that even the people of God are not exempt from the temptation to quit. I know in polite company and when we have in pleasant conversation where we don't like to talk about quitting, but I dare say all of us have been tempted to quit something. Even God's great servants know the temptation uh, of quitting. You remember, remember Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. In facing the rigors of, of preaching uh, uh, to a hard-hearted nation, Jeremiah just, just said, I, I'm not going to mention God anymore to these people. Jeremiah just decided, I'm through preaching. I, I, I'm through being God's spokesperson to a hard-hearted, rebellious nation. I'm sure you've read the passage there, but he said the word was like fire shut up in my bones. And, and Jeremiah just felt it necessary to keep going. The great man of God, Elijah. You remember Elijah stood for God in the showdown with the prophets of Baal? And, and remember uh, uh, Jezebel threatened his life? Uh, and when you get to 1 Kings 19, the Bible says that Elijah ran for his life. And you know, Elijah had some athlete in him. Elijah just, you didn't want to challenge Elijah in a foot race. And Elijah ran for his life. And he got there in a cave and he feels the sorrows and the rigors of standing for God against a pagan people. And remember, God asked him, what are you doing here? And Elijah there says, I'm the only one left and they seek my life. Even the people of God know something about being tempted uh, uh, to quit. And at times, you and I will be tempted to quit. But the blessing is that God gives us a viable strategy uh, by which we may overcome our adversity. Not just wishful thinking or, or, or pretending that everything is fine or, uh, or just trying to always find uh, uh, the bright side in things. God offers to us a real solution for a real life problem. And, and, and I submit to you that God's way of helping us to overcome begins with acknowledging that our issues are real. Uh, you, you ever have meet somebody just wanting to make light of everything? Or oh, that ain't no real problem. Well, well, it might not be a real problem for you, but sometimes I have problems that are real problems for me. 
You know, sometimes I have stuff going on that it's just hard to smile and act like everything is fine. Sometimes there's some stuff going on and man, I don't see a solution. I, I, I don't have a clue. I don't know what God is trying to show me. All I know is this thing is tough to deal with. But you remember John 16, verse number 33. Jesus says, these things have I spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying, I understand you will have real problems in your living. There will be times when you have to deal with things that people ought not just make light of. The Old Testament witness in John 14, uh, verse number one, uh, you remember the great declaration of Job, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. See, Job understood sometimes there's some things going on in your life and they will tempt you to quit. But inasmuch as our issues are real and we need something that will enable us to persevere, God gives us two things that enable us uh, uh, to persevere. Now, one is called grace. Uh, and you know when you hear the technical definition, God's unmerited favor. And the other uh, is hope. See, the grace of God will see us through the now, and the hope of heaven will carry us to the then. This is the gist of verse number 35. Uh, cast not away, therefore, your confidence. You see, you, you, you be thankful that God gives us grace and hope. But then if we back up to verse number 32, he says, but call to remembrance the former days. Now, that's important because I submit to you that one cannot make an accurate assessment of life looking only at the now. You know, your, your life does not consist of just now. Uh, you have a past and a future. Now, now we don't necessarily want to live in the past or dwell in the past, but I had to go, I had to go through the past to get to my now, and my now has implications on my future. So the Hebrew writer says, but call to remembrance the former days. Remember is a big word in scripture. And to remember certain things will bless your living. And when we say remember, it's more than just remembering the past. It's living with a conscience awareness of the power and grace of God. Do you remember the great declaration, David, in Psalm 20, verse 7? He says, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. But I think it begs to question, what in particular do we need to remember? You know, we can remember a lot of things. We can remember the wrong somebody did to me. We can remember uh, uh, things that we've suffered. But, but David said, there are those that put their trust in secular things but we will remember the name uh, 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 of the Lord, our God. In 2 Chronicles 16, verse number 19, there, there's something we ought to remember. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Now, now we ought to remember, number one, God sees everything. That there are never times something is going on and God is not aware that is going on. Nothing ever catches God by surprise. And one of the reasons God is watching everything is to protect his children. 
He said, I, yeah, I know the devil is like a roaring lion walking about uh, uh, seeking whom he may devour, but I got my eye on him. And, and he's limited in what he can do. I, I know the world is full of contrary people, but I've got my eye on them too. And what you need to appreciate, I've also got my eye on you. And, and I'm looking out for you, and, and I'm taking care of you. And we would do well to remember that. See, when we remember that, it ought to help us walk through the valley with boldness. You remember the declaration of David, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I'm not even going to tell you where that is. You just ought to know that one. <laughs> I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Well, David, why were you able to walk with boldness? See, because I remember the name of the Lord, my God. It, it, not just that God exists, but I remember that God is looking out for me. God has my best interest at heart. And even when I'm going through my tough times, even when I face those problems that sometimes just make you want to cash it all in, David said, I need to remember the name of the Lord, my God. And when we talk about remember, uh, again, look with me at verses 32 through 34. But call to remembrance the former days. You know, there are some things we need to look back and remember. Sometimes I need to look back and just remember all that God has brought me through. Sometimes I need to look back and see where God has brought me from. But in all that looking back, I need to remember that God has been the difference maker. He said, but call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. Now, I hope we're paying attention to what the Hebrew writer says there. He says that after you obeyed the gospel, life really got busy. It, why is that? Because now you're trying to do the right thing. See, you're not part of the world anymore, and, and, and that gives the devil pause. See, the devil wants you back. So the devil got busy in your life once you got busy trying to do what was right. You know, sometimes we think we're the only ones that know what it is to go through things as a Christian. Well, the Hebrew writer tells these Christians, remember, it was after you obeyed the gospel that the devil got really busy in your life. Paul, uh, partly, whilst you were made a gazing stock, verse 33, by both reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst you became companions of them that were so used. Now, if you want to get deep into that, uh, you notice one of the words translated there in verse 33 is the word from which we get our English word theater. Paul said you were made a public spectacle because you were faithful to, to God. There were people that actually made you a laughingstock that, that uh, uh, not only tortured you and, and, and made fun of you, but, uh, but they abused you publicly. And then in verse 34, he says, For you had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. When I look at verses 32 through 34, I hear the Hebrew writer saying, Remember what God has brought you through. Now, remember not so much to rehash all that you've been through, but to appreciate that God has brought you through. And remember, it's been God, and you didn't make it because of anything you know or anything you did. You made it because God was, was fighting on your behalf. And to remember what I've been through is to be mindful of God's deliverance. You know, sometimes the things that helps me in my now is remembering what God did in my then. 
Isn't that what David did when Goliath was threatening them in the now? Didn't David think back to what God had done in his then? Now, now there's a problem in my now. This giant is threatening our nation. But David said, but I think back to my then. God delivered me from a lion. God delivered me from a bear. And if he can deliver me from those things, then he can deliver me from this uh, uh, giant as well. And when we remember, uh, above all, remember that the manner and time of my deliverance are up to God. Now, in Acts 1, uh, uh, verse number 7, and, and you may not see the link there. Let me, let me help you. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Well, well, what does that have to do with what we are talking about? Well, well, think about what was going on there in Acts chapter 1. The apostles asked Jesus, are you going to give the kingdom back to Israel at this time? They don't really understand what's going on. And because they don't understand what's going on, they ask kind of a, 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 a you know, just off-base question. You know, they're still thinking about a, a physical kingdom, and Jesus is talking about a spiritual kingdom. Now, they don't know one, what he's talking about, and then they don't go know when it's going to happen. Now, I submit to you that quite often in life, that's our experience. We don't really know what God is doing. You ever ask that question, what is God trying to show me? What does God want me to see? Or you ever ask God, Lord, what are you doing? Well, if I don't even understand what's going on, why do I need to know when it's going to happen? Well, you don't understand it anyhow. Even if it happened right now, you still wouldn't understand what's going on. But what you need to remember is you know God. And as long as God knows what's going on, and God knows when it's going to happen, because that's his job anyway, as long as God knows those things, then I just need to be uh, uh, all right with being obedient to God. You know, some that when, when? You know, I have trouble. When is this going to be over? When God says finished. Now, well, when is that? It, it, when God deems that the time is right. Now, and, and God don't work on the clock like we do. Uh, if you think about it, if, if you look at mankind, if you start reading the Bible, you can't get out of Genesis chapter 3 before we mess up. <laughs> now, you got to read all of the Old Testament, let 400 more years go by, and then Jesus comes on the scene. But what does the Bible say about Jesus coming on the scene? Now, mind you, thousands of years have gone by that we've lived in sin and dealt with sin. But do you remember what Paul said about Jesus coming into the world? When the time was right, God sent his son. Lord, we were in sin for thousands of years. I know that. And if I hadn't sent Jesus, you'd have been in sin for thousands more years. But when the time was right. See, thousands of years needed to go by before the time was right. Well, Lord, when is the time right for my trouble? That's my concern. Your concern is be faithful to me and do what I told you. And when the time is right, I'll provide the solution that's right. Now, you know what happens when you try to take matters into your own hand? I ask Abraham and Sarah, well, what happens when you think God has taken too long? You know, then I come up with a plan. And I set my plan in motion. And then I start crying to God because my plan didn't work out like it's God's fault. See, you should have just waited for me when the time is right. I'm going to deal with it. What did he tell Abraham? I'm going to give you a son. 
Now, he didn't tell Abraham when he started out when the son was coming. But Abraham, I'm going to give you a son when the time is right. Well, Sarah started looking at things going on around him, and Sarah decided not only is the time not right, the time is gone. <laughs> now, God is saying the time is yet in the future. But you go on and do what you think you know you're doing, because you're going to learn a lesson from that one, too. See, and the lesson you're going to learn is quit trying to give me a hand. You can't even help yourself, and you're trying to help me. We, just like the apostles, just like Abraham and Sarah, may be concerned about the when when we don't even understand the what. But let us remember that deliverance and guidance are God's part, and obedience to God is our part. And then in verse 36 there, the writer says, For ye have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. You have need of patience. Sometimes you just gonna have to suffer like a good soldier. I see what's going on. It doesn't mean I'm not God because there's some hardship in your living. It doesn't mean I'm wrong because I don't do what you think I ought to do when you think I ought to do it. If we could sum up verse number 36, I believe the Hebrew writer is telling us, remember God's promises. And that's important because the worth of the goal gives you power in the journey. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 17, Paul says, for our light affliction. Now, he's not saying we don't have real problems. But he's saying when you look at the things in comparison, our light affliction, because any way you slice it, getting stoned to me ain't a light affliction. You know, stones hurt. Getting stoned will kill you. I mean, it kill you dead. Paul walked away from it once, but I suspect they weren't all that versed in stoning, because that usually wasn't the kind of thing you walked away from. You know, getting beat with a whip, 39 lashes, multiple times. Now, I would call that a lighter thing, but a light affliction ain't one of the things I would call it. Paul is not saying my problems are not real. Paul is saying when you look at the things comparatively speaking, the things we suffer in comparison to what God is going to give us, yeah, that makes it light. But mind you, these are some real troubles that you go through. He says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Now, again, that's comparatively speaking. Sometimes your troubles may last for years. Now, that's comparative. You know, years can seem like a moment with some things, and then years can seem like a lifetime with some other things. And I submit to you, if you're struggling with a trouble, it, years don't seem like a moment. Paul said, but comparatively speaking, how long your problem been? 20, 30, 40 years? Lay that next to eternity. How long is 40 or 50 years next to eternity? Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Comparatively speaking, I'm not saying your problems are not real. Paul is saying what you got to do, you got to remember God's promises. You got to see them comparatively speaking. Yes, this is hard to deal with, but I'm only going to have to deal with it for a time. But if I'm faithful, God is going to bless me to make it through eternity and hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And you know, sometimes you gotta keep your eyes on the goal. 
That's the only thing that'll help you get through the journey. I went back to college as an adult. Now, I thought I was grown the first time I went to college, but I mean, I went back as an adult. I mean, I'm married, got children, got a job and all of that. And there would come times I'd be sitting in class and the teacher would say something, you know, you got a 20 page assignment due. I'm like, my life already full. Like I got time to be working on a 20 page paper. I got a family and a job and a life and, and you talking about a 20 page paper citing this many sources and uh, all of this kind of thing. And you know, sometimes you just have a conversation with yourself, Rick, why are you here? You know, most time folk go to school to get a job. You got a job. You got a job and a family. Why are you here? But you think about the goal. See, I, I didn't go to school because I didn't have anything to do. I already had stuff to do. But you had a goal in mind. And that goal was tied to that piece of paper they were going to give you when you finish all them papers. And you know that's all they give you? When you finish, they give you a piece of paper. Fancy piece of paper with your name on it. That's all they give you after them thousands of dollars. Now I'm like, man, for that kind of money and that kind of time, I sure ought to got more than just this piece of paper. Now it's up to you to go out and help uh, 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 put that piece of paper to use. And I need God to bless me even then. You, know, you walk in and say, you know, I got a piece of paper. Say, I've been in school six years. Thank you very much, Mr. Cook. We'll give you a call. <laughs> See, you need God to bless you even once you get that piece of paper. But it was that piece of paper that gave me the incentive to keep going. Yeah, I got a job, but I'm looking for another one. Yeah, I got a life, but you know, it ain't nothing wrong with, with, with making things better. You know, ain't no way in the Bible we said, thou canst not earn more than thou earnest right now. <laughs> the goal gives you the incentive to keep going. You know, sometimes we need to spend some time thinking about heaven. I know your now is your reality, but I need to remember heaven, because that's going to help me deal with my reality. Whatever my issue is, and you know certain issues, you know, it, it, it's something to have to deal with people on the job and then deal with people when you come home. You know, you can always get another job. You can't just get another home. Now, I know sometimes folk do that, but remember, when, when you're talking about God blessing you. See, but God's blessing, if this one ain't working out, you just can't quit and go get another one. Because okay. oh, we stood up and said something to the effect uh, until death do us part. Now that, that, that's, that's saying you can't just walk away because this one ain't working out. Now you might be tempted to quit. You need to remember the, uh, the promise you made before God and to your spouse. And I need to remember heaven. Like Paul said, our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Now I'm not saying it ain't hard to deal with. Paul saying you just got to look at it comparatively speaking. I'm trying to get to eternity. Whatever I have to endure to get to eternity is worth it because that's temporary. I'm sure we've all been tempted to quit. Quit a job, quit a relationship, Lord help us, maybe quit life. 
But the Hebrew writer is saying, when you get to that point, remember. Remember the God you serve. Remember what he's brought you through. And remember his promises. You know, that'll help you make it through the tough times. Now, it won't stop tough times from being tough, but it'll help you make it through. God calls us to be reconciled to him so that we might be able to hold these things in remembrance. And he calls us by the preaching of the gospel of Christ Jesus. And he requires that we hear the gospel message. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. He requires that we believe Jesus to be the Christ, John 8, verse 24, that we be willing to turn from sin. Uh, Acts 17, 30, 31, the Bible says there was a time when God winked at ignorance. And whatever that means, the key thing is there was a time. Meaning he's not doing whatever he did, he's not doing it anymore. So we can't ride on that ticket anyhow. Now he commands all men everywhere to repent. We must be willing to confess faith in Christ Jesus, Matthew 10, 32, and then be baptized in water for the remission of sins. It is the way that God works in redeeming us to himself. Uh, 1 Peter 3, verse 21. When we go down into the waters of baptism, God washes away our sins, puts his spirit inside of us, and he adds us to the church. And God is doing all of these things to give us strength to face our trials and our troubles so that when we are tempted to quit, we can look back in remembrance at the God we serve, the things he's brought us through, and the promises that lie ahead. Perhaps you're here this morning, you want to respond to the invitation or you want the church to pray for you. And if either of these are the case, then we bid you to come as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation.